0: All right, good morning, welcome again uh, to Christ Community Chapel. My name is Mike, part of the staff here. Uh, Really great to be with you to share God's word this morning. Uh, One announcement you saw in the video, Lecrae and Ravi are coming here, which is historic. This is the first time they've done anything together and they're coming here, so our encouragement uh, between the ages of 15 and 30, uh, in the words of Lecrae, sign up and show up, all right? And actually, if you're over 30, it's all good, all right? We have a space for you called The Block that you can actually sign up. No, it it would be a wonderful thing to take advantage of. So um, August 3 and 4, over 30, under 40, sign up and show up. Uh, But we are finishing man month here at CCC. Hopefully it's been a good month for you. And the question is, why man month and why June? The simple answer is that the women took the other 11 months, but (laughs) I'm only half kidding. Um, one of my favorite movies I watched this year uh, was Black Panther. How many of you have seen Black Panther? All right, Wakanda Forever, right? My people? All right. I love this movie for a number of reasons. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's about a nation in Africa called, called Wakanda and King T'Challa becoming Black Panther. It's a wonderful movie. Um, and I love it because of uh, one major reason. Uh, about two years ago, my wife and I, we adopted our son Braden. Uh, who is African-American. He turns two next month already. And I have realized um, by having a son who is black, I begin to see and look at things differently. I think that happens for most of us when we love someone who looks different than what we look like. And I love this movie because now he has a black superhero, right? This is the first time now a black superhero, someone to imitate, someone to look up to on Halloween, someone to dress up as the Black Panther. We actually bought him the Black Panther action figure already, so we are well on our way. <laughs> but I realized that, uh, while I'm glad he has a black superhero, more than that, he needs uh, a father, he needs a man uh, in the flesh, not just on the screen that he can look up to. Right? It's one thing to watch a movie and be inspired by King T'Challa and Black Panther. It's another thing to be able to look at me as his father and as his dad, and for me to look at him and say, you know what? If you want to know what it means to be a man, if you want to know what it means to love Jesus, to treat and to cherish your wife, to work hard, to have integrity, watch me. Watch me. Do you think the world is crying out for more and more fathers and men that can do that? And I desperately want to be that kind of man and that kind of father, and I'm sure you do too. So that's why we're doing Man Month. We have this hope that one day every single one of us could look at our son and say, watch me. If you want to know what it means to be a man, you can watch me. That's our hope, but the reality sometimes is different. Sometimes we look at our life as men like, I'm not, not too sure about this area I'm not sure, Braden. don't watch me here. Don't imitate me here. We have areas of life that we struggle with, that we are broken over, that we wish nobody would watch. And this morning in particular is one of those topics. We're going to finish off man month by talking about purity, what it means to be a man of purity. So if you have a Bible, uh, turn with me. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 will be on your screen as well. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is God's word, and it is true. You see, the church in Corinth was facing a very similar situation that we're facing. They had similar hopes to be the kind of men, the kind of dads, that they could say to their sons, watch me. They had that same hope, and yet they were in the same reality that we as men find ourselves right because the culture in Corinth and the culture today actually it hasn't changed that much in both cities in both cultures sex was king there was an obsession there was an accessibility to it it seemed to flood the streets of Corinth like it floods our culture and the question that they were asking again and again and again is how do I not get swept away Right, the current is so strong. How do I not simply get swept away? It seems like almost every day there is some other story. It could be a TV anchor, it could be a movie producer, it could be a friend, a colleague, it could be another pastor. It gets swept away, and it makes it feel inevitable sometimes, it makes it feel a little bit hopeless. You may be thinking to yourselves this morning, yeah, the current, the current is too strong. What else do you expect? But is that really the answer I'm going to tell my son? Is that the expectation I want to set if I have a daughter or for your daughter? That you know what? The current is too strong, so you can just expect your husband one day to fail. Paul didn't let the church in Corinth settle like that. And we can't settle like that. So in our passage, he gives us three things. The beliefs of a pure man, the actions of a pure man, and then the power of a pure man. First, the beliefs of a pure man. If you were to ask people what they don't like about Christianity, what do you think they would say? What is one of the number one barriers, the obstacles to Christianity? Christianity. Would it be Jesus? Would it be the Bible? I think oftentimes the most common barrier are Christians. The world looks at us and says, man, they talk a big game. But they are so hypocritical. They talk a big game about homosexuality, but when it comes to their own marriage, they talk a big game about being pro-life, They talk a big game about love and forgiveness. But they are just so hypocritical. See, the world looks at us and thinks that we have an action problem. We do not do what we preach. We do not live out what we believe. But I was thinking about it this week quite a bit. And this passage, I think, gives a little bit different of an explanation. I'm not sure we have as much of an action problem as we do a belief problem. right? I'm not sure the problem is we don't live out what we believe. I think it has more to do that we don't believe what we actually believe. And what if the reality is true that we actually live out our beliefs perfectly? And the reason I think that, because I look at my life and I look at your life, and every day, tens or even hundreds of times, we're making decisions based on beliefs that are fully in line with each other. Right? From morning until night, what we eat, what we wear, what you're driving, where you work, is motivated by some sort of belief Right, you are here this morning, you chose East Hall over Sanctuary, you chose even this church in general cuz you thought at least for 60 minutes, I believe it's worth that. I see myself and I see your life and our actions and beliefs maybe are more aligned than we realize. And so what if the problem isn't an action problem? What if it's a belief problem? You see, that's what Paul is getting at in this passage. He's looking at the men of Corinth, and it's, he doesn't list 10 things to do and to change. He says, if you want to become a man of purity, it starts with what you believe. He gives three things they were struggling to believe with, and three things that we struggle to believe with as men. The first that we believe, we struggle to believe that our bodies belong to God, we struggle to believe that our bodies are indwelled by God. We struggle to believe that our bodies are for God. First, we struggle to believe that our bodies and our life and our sexuality belong to God. Look at the the end of verse 19 with me and the beginning of verse 20. It says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. You are not your own, you were bought... With the price As men, we have a hard time believing that, because we have a different narrative about ourselves than that. We actually believe, most of the time, the exact opposite, that we don't belong to anybody but ourselves. All right, my son is not even two yet, and he has a shirt that says, "I call the shots." I call the shots." He can't even say it yet, but he's wearing the shirt, I call the shots. And as men, that is our mantra. To be a man, I call the shots. At work, at home, I have the power to do and to say what I want, when I want. I have the power to use my body how I want, when I want, where I want. I call the shots with who I date, how I date them, and what we do. I call the shots. And you begin to wonder why we have purity and sexual immorality issues. But Paul speaks to the men of Corinth, and he says that's not true. Actually, you have been bought, you have been purchased, and you belong to God. Jesus has laid down his life. He's offered up his blood as payment so that you could belong to God. He could be your father and you could be his son. We belong to God. And that has enormous implications. And how we think of our body and our sexuality. Because now God decides. God is the one who is in charge. God calls the shots. Right? It's true in our life as well. Until Braden is 18, I will call the shots. Or his wife will. We'll see. For your kids, you call the shots. Kids, your parents... Hate to break it to you. They call the shots. We need to believe that if we're going to become men of purity that we don't belong to ourselves, that we belong to God. And that's a hard thing to believe. Right? That's just a hard thing. We as men, we love to call the shots. We love to have the power. We don't want to listen to anybody else but ourselves because we don't want to trust anybody else but ourselves. There's nobody a man trusts more than himself. That's probably why you drove here to church, why you drive home. And a man of purity, he knows this. He knows that his body has been bought by Jesus, and that he belongs to God and not himself. And the question is, what's going to make you trust God that way? What's going to allow you to put down your power and actually believe and trust God? Well, trust and value are always connected. Trust and value are always connected. Right? If you believe someone loves, cares, and values you, then you will trust them. If you believe someone doesn't like you, hates you, despises you, disregards you, you're going to be less likely to trust them. So if we're going to trust God, we have to think about how much God values, loves, and cares for you. How much does he? How much does God actually care and love you? If someone were to ask my wife and I to pay again to adopt Raiden, what do you think we would pay? so that Braden could belong to us. Name your price. (laughs) Name your price. We would give absolutely everything. In a much greater way, God gives absolutely everything. He laid down not just money. He didn't just offer up property or time. He offered up the very life and blood of His one and only Son, Jesus. And we can trust God because there's no one that loves us more. And a man of purity gets that. And he believes that. The word I think some of us need to hear maybe again today is that you still belong to God. You still belong to God. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Doesn't matter what you will do. The price has been paid. God holds a receipt in his hands through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and he says, You are mine. You belong to me. There are no returns, there are no exchanges. You still belong to God. And if we can get that, we will be well on our way. That's the first belief. We belong to God. The second belief is this. Look with me at the beginning of verse 19. Do you not know That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom God has given to you? This is a hard idea, right? I have a hard time on a day-to-day basis thinking that because I believe in Jesus, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in me, Right, it's just a foreign idea that I have to struggle and wrestle with pretty much every day. Maybe that's the same for you. And yet again and again and again throughout the New Testament, those who believe in Jesus, we are a temple. The Spirit of God dwells in us. What does that mean? It means a number of things. But in particular in this passage, Paul is talking about value. Value. He's talking about the sacredness of which we look to our bodies. That it's more than just skin and bones. Or more than just meat. (laughs) But there's something sacred to our bodies. And the more we see the value, the better we will treat something. The more we see the value, the better we will treat something. Let me ask you a weird question. If your body was a car, what kind of car would it be? If your body was a car, what kind of car would it be? Would you be like a 1992 Beater Corolla, 250,000 miles on it? Pretty on the outside, but a lot of miles inside. Would you be like a mid-sized SUV, like 2010 Honda CRV, v Or would you be more like a 2018 Rolls-Royce? Maybe you should ask your wife what kind of car your body is. A few years ago, there was one time there was one time I found myself in the back seat of a Rolls-Royce, which is probably a couple hundred thousand dollar car. And I remember being so so careful the entire time. Opening the door to get into it, I stepped in so carefully, I sat down, I didn't move for the entire drive. I think I barely even breathed to contaminate the leather or something. Then we got to where we were going. I got out. I opened the doors so very closely and carefully. Why? The things that we value, we know how to treat well. The things that we value, we do know how to treat really well. And I think the belief that has been ingrained in us as men is that our bodies aren't worth that much. Our bodies aren't that sacred. They can be tossed around like a meat market. And that is a dangerous thought to have when you think about purity. If you think your body is just dirty and grungy, if you think your body is more like a Cuyahoga River than a Caribbean ocean, how are you going to treat your body? What are you going to do to your body? If you're a 1992 Corolla, what are you going to do to that compared to what I would do in a Rolls Royce? You see, our sexual issues are always, always connected to our belief issues. And Paul says to the men in Corinth, Do you not know that your body is a temple? It is sacred, for the Spirit of God lives and dwells in you. To the degree that we know and believe that, that will change our sexual life. That will change our purity. If I can take it one step further, to the degree that we see women's bodies that way, but to the degree that it changes our sexual life and our purity. Our sexual impurity issues always come down to belief issues, Always. And a man of purity knows and believes my body and hers is sacred because they have the Spirit of God in them. So leading to my third and final belief. People in Corinth were struggling to believe that their bodies are for God, that their bodies are for God. Look with me at the end of verse 20, the very last part of our passage today. It says this So glorify God in your body. So glorify God in your body. Again, this is sort of an abstract idea. It sounds really good, right? I'm going to glorify God in my body, but what does that mean? And I've been wrestling with this really all week, trying to figure out how to explain this and unpack this today. And What I finally realized is I might not know exactly what it means, but I know what it doesn't mean. I may not know exactly what it means to glorify God, but I am 100% confident what it means to not glorify God in your bodies. Ashley Madison is an online site where married people can find someone to have an affair with. It exists. If you're married and you want to have an affair, you go to Ashley Madison, you create a profile. And across 45 countries, there are 50 million people that are on Ashley Madison. And their tagline is this, life is short, have an affair. It's kind of funny, but it's not. Life is short, have an affair. That's a pretty powerful belief. Because it's saying, gratify yourself now as much as you can while you can. Sexual issues always come from belief issues. And our culture has this belief as men that joy and fulfillment comes through sex. That we are to gratify ourselves again and again and again. Life is short, hook up now. Life is short, watch one more video. Life is short, cheat on your wife. And you wonder why we have purity issues. If you live your life and you treat your body for maximum personal benefit and pleasure, what does that do to the women in your life? So maybe we don't need to change what we do first. Maybe it's not an action problem as much as it is a belief problem. And a man of purity knows and believes that Jesus has purchased him that he belongs to God he is empowered by the spirit to not gratify himself but to live to the glory of God (laughs) so how do we get not how do we not get caught up in the current and carried away how do we not become the next man down well a man of purity is a believing man he believes my body belongs to God my body is indwelled by God and my body is not for my pleasure. Those are the beliefs. Now look at the action of the pure man, the action. Verse 18, the very first thing that he says. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. There's one primary action Paul sees for a pure man. One. That is to flee. Run away, escape, go, flee, flee. And do it now. He was firm, he was direct. So let me be firm and direct today. Flee sexual morality. Run away, escape, and do it now. That is the primary action of a pure man. But you'll say some of us, we were not taught to flee. Fleeing does not sound very manly, right? I was taught to be a man means you stay there and you fight. You don't flee. So let's play a little game, all right? Developed a fun game for you today. It's called Should I Stay or Should I Go? It's also a song, I believe. All right, I'm with my son, Braden, at Chick-fil-A. Okay, I just enjoy a great Chick-fil-A dinner. And I go to the play place And it starts out okay, right? It's just a few kids in the play place, but then two kids turns into six kids, and then six kids turns into ten kids, and then ten kids turns into 25 kids. And all of a sudden, Chick-fil-A, there's 25 toddlers hopped up on nuggets, sauce, and Coke. Dads, do you stay or do you go? (laughs) We're out of there. You come home from work, and you forget it's a surprise party for your teenage daughter. She has invited 15 of her closest friends and their moms over for the night. Do you stay or do you go? Don't lie. You're out of that place so quickly. <laughs> a bunch of liars today. <laughs> we know how to flee men. For two reasons, we will flee. The danger of not fleeing is that bad or the promise of fleeing is that good? The danger of not fleeing is that bad or the promise of fleeing is that good? It's been that way for centuries. All right, If you go back to the California gold rush, all the way back in the 19th century, thousands and thousands of men fled to the West Coast for two reasons. The danger of staying was that bad. The financial situation of their family was broken, and the danger was real. But also the promise was that good. If they got there, if they found gold, it would absolutely change their families for generations. A man of purity knows when to go and when to stay. He knows when to flee. He knows if you're watching Game of Thrones or Fifty Shades of Grey, it's time to go. He knows when he's starting to think too much of a woman that's not his wife, it's time to go. When a conversation turns from friendly to flirty, it's time to go. He knows when it's getting late at his girlfriend's apartment, it's time to go. He knows when he's on a business trip and he's approached to have a drink by a female coworker or colleague, it's time to go. we're keeping score, men, in our little game of should I stay or should I go, how do you think we're doing? You see, I think our sons and our daughters, our girlfriends and our wives are hoping we get a whole lot better, that should I stay or should I go? So let me be clear, direct, and firm. Flee sexual immorality. Run away, escape, flee. The danger of staying is that bad. And maybe you don't believe me. Maybe you look at your life and there's no danger. It's a little bit of porn, a little bit of hooking up, a little bit of friendly conversation. And all I can tell you is this. There will come a day with every fiber of your being that you will wish that you fled. There will come a day. The danger of not fleeing is that bad and the danger of fleeing, the promise of fleeing is that good. The promise of fleeing is that good. Maybe you don't believe that either. <laughs> the world is so ingrained into us that we find joy and sexual pleasure. And that you will find a life staying right where you are. But you will not find a better, more joy filled life than a God honoring, God glorifying, sexual immorality fleeing life than that. A man of purity knows that, and he flees. some of you are thinking no way no way you don't know who I am you don't know what I've done what I am doing you don't know how much I've tried and how much I've wanted to it just it can't be done alright the current really is too strong it can't be done if you knew me you would just accept it and you're right I don't know you I don't know what you've done, are doing, will do. But I do know Jesus. I do know that Jesus came not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. He came not for the healthy, but for the sick. He didn't come for the pure. He came for the impure. And so I don't know you, and I don't have any faith in you, actually but I have a heck of a lot of faith in Jesus. You can flee too. You can flee too. Bringing to my third and final point, the power of a pure man. The actions, from the belief to the actions, and now the power. In Black Panther, there was a secret herb flower, if you remember, that gave Black Panther powers. Whoever drank it would be a force to be reckoned with. Without it, King T'Challa was susceptible like anybody else. He was susceptible and vulnerable, but with it, but with it he was a force to be reckoned with, and purity is the same way. Purity makes us to be a force to be reckoned with. Without it, we are vulnerable and susceptible, but with it we have a power to do things that we could never otherwise do. Three things. The power of purity. first is this. Look at me at the beginning of verse 18. It says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. You see, sexual sin is talked about differently throughout the Scriptures. There's something unique. There's something poisonous. There's something impactful about sexual sin than no other sin. It will change and interfere your relationship with Jesus like nothing else can. At the Howard House, we have uh, no cable TV, but we do have an HT antenna, right? So we watch uh, get most of the channels that way, and it works most of the time. If the weather's bad, though. What happens? The picture gets a little bit fuzzy. The audio isn't as clear, and it makes it really, really hard to watch TV. It's the same way with sexual sin when you are caught up in it, it is really, really hard to enjoy Jesus. And I feel like a lot of us men, we are watching fuzzy and distorted TV for way too long. We have no idea of what it means to actually find true, lasting joy in Jesus. And if we flee, I promise you, you will find it. In Matthew, it says, the pure in heart will see God, and I think that's what it means. A man that is pure with a pure heart will find more joy in Jesus. Second, the power of purity to attract more people to Jesus, especially if you are single, if you are dating, purity becomes a magnet that will attract your friends, your coworkers, your family members to Jesus. Because you will be able to have a joy that is apart from sex. And that will totally confuse everybody else. Our world is not used to seeing joyful people. Our world is not used to seeing joyful men. And our world is certainly not used to seeing joyful virgin men. Your purity has the power to attract more and more people to Jesus. And then finally the power of prayer to cherish your wife more to cherish your wife more If you are married what does your wife want to hear and feel from you more than anything else What does your wife want to hear and feel from you more than anything else When you come home from work does she want you to come up and give her a peck on the cheek and say quick I love you babe it's a good place to start. What she really wants to know and to feel is that you would walk up to her, you'd put your work bag down, you would embrace her in your arms, you would take your hands and you'd put them behind her head. And you look her in the eye and you say, I have not stopped thinking about you all day. You are the most beautiful woman in the world. And I love you more today than I ever have. And then you put the kids to bed. (laughs) The power of a pure man to cherish his wife, to let her know that my eyes and my thoughts and my desires are for you and for you alone. That is a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. A pure man is that force. The power to enjoy Jesus more, to attract more people to Jesus, and to truly cherish your wife. As we close, it seems like every other day there's another man down. And you might be thinking this morning, the current is just too strong. It's only a matter of time. But I think the women in this room are waiting, and I think our children are watching for us to finally become men of purity to finally believe what we believe, that Jesus has bought us with his blood, that we belong to God. We are empowered with his spirit. We are sacred, and we are to honor and glorify him and not to gratify ourselves. If we can get a hold of that, if we can believe what we actually say we believe, we will be a force. And we can look our sons and the daughters in the eyes and say, you want to know what it means to be a man? Watch me. Watch me. We will be transformed. And so will they. Let's pray. Father, you know, (laughs) you know this issue has been going on for a very, very long time. From the first century, spanning 2,000 years to today, you know that we as men, we struggle and we need you. God, give us a new faith in who you are. Solidify our beliefs in Jesus, that he has actually purchased us and he values us enough to give his own life so that we belong to God. God, I pray that we would be men who flee. God, that we would just run like the Dickens away from sexual morality. God, would you bring healing where there needs to be healing? God, would you bring fleeing where there needs to be fleeing? And would you transform the men in this room not to be men of purity, I pray. Amen.